Welcome into another OU Football Podcast powered by the Norman Transcript. My name is Joe Bettner. Joining me, as always, the man with the plan. He's the conductor to our orchestra, Tyler Palmatier, Transcript Sports Editor. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing good. If I'm the conductor, what what instrument group would you want to be in? I've never really considered myself much of a music person but i've always wanted to play something like a cello i just think i would look good playing cello i don't know if that's in an orchestra no yeah i think it is i'm not gonna lie i i honestly have no clue but i i think i would look good doing it and i would love to be able to dress up super nice and play music for people that sounds like a fun job i don't know just me i could see you like holding a tiny flute I, I could do that too i think flautist or like a piccolo flutist? Ooh. no I, i'm a piccolo guy. i'd like to see somebody like bill beatenbow like hold a piccolo do you think we can get though you coaches if we ask them super kind like hey can you play some instruments you think there's any ou coaches that have some secret talents we don't know about i don't i would love to know but honestly i think when your whole life is football that's kind of you, you know. I mean, for better or worse, we're undimen- or we're uh, we're one-dimensional nerds, sports nerds, kind of. You know, I mean, not to I won't speak for you. Everybody's got their special talents, of course. But sort of like journal, you know, journalists are kind of creatives. They love sports or whatever topic they're into, and I mean, they certainly kind of have that side. But kind of people are who they are. I don't know. I would love to know if like if like uh, Calvin Thibodeau like played the piano or something or like was a who was it that sang i actually don't know i know that there was a, a ou player that oh it's hurts they think it was a that's Joe who hurts it is yes i think somebody it was cd lamb talking about this last spring before everything got really tight and like yeah how they are now like stuffy there's just kind of you know like everybody's a little more relaxed but yeah i think it was cd lamb that said it hurts sings i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a blast from the past because i don't i don't even know if he was still on ou's roster by the time you got on the beat but OU had a defensive back, PJ Ambanasaur, mm-hmm. who was really like he would post on his like I don't even know if it was like Snapchat or Instagram at the time. I don't know what the cool thing was. This was like 2015, 2016. Yeah. And he would sing a lot. And like I was working on this story about him singing and it never it never came to fruition because he left OU. And we wanted to do this whole story and like a video element of him singing. And he's he's got like a really good voice, but then he left. And was it because of the singing? I mean, I know that some of his or his roommate. I don't. I honestly don't remember who his roommate at the time was, but said it was super annoying. Which I can imagine. Maybe if you're kind of a grump in the morning, you probably don't want to hear your. You don't want to hear someone singing being chipper. And I kind of can get that way sometimes. But yeah, I'm. I can see that. I could see that. You know it's you know it's not a super high profile week when we're opening up the podcast with this kind of conversation. It should be better. UCLA ought to bring more excitement than this, but for some reason not. It's just like it's UCLA, they're not very, you know, at least on the record right now. 0 and 2, scored 14 points a game. Their leading rusher has 99 yards total this year. It's just not a doesn't look like a great football team. Not a not a sexy power five matchup for the Sooners who I mean it is sexy on paper. The names. It looks sexy. The yeah. names. Yeah, it should yeah. be better. For what venue they're playing in, this should be a better game. And the fact that UCLA gets to play at the Rose Bowl all their home games, honestly, I don't know if the Bruins deserve it. This is not a good UCLA team. This is not I think a few years ago, what we expected when we saw on the on the schedule that mm-hmm. OU and UCLA are going to play a home and home, and then like you add in the fact that Chip Kelly is the head coach, and they're giving away free tickets to this game. It's seven p.m. on a Saturday night. It's a prime time game, and I understand it's L.A. and they probably don't care nearly as much. It doesn't help that they're zero two. UCLA lost to Cincinnati week one on a Thursday night, and then they lost to San Diego State for the first time in program history. It's not a good football team, and no. it, it deserves better, but you will be in Los Angeles covering this one, and I honestly don't know where to kind of go with this one because I think this is going to be another game where I could see OU kind of in that same vein as the Houston game 
is that they're going to get up big early. They might get tested at times, but it doesn't seem like a game that's going to be much competitive at all. It's hard. To, it's just really hard to see that the that the road game win streak that OU has, which dates back to 2014 ending this weekend, which I don't mean Eddie Radosovich has already said I've jinxed it by asking Lincoln Riley about it in the press conference. Nah, no. If they lose to UCLA, burn down the whole program. This should, if OU if you if OU loses to UCLA this weekend, there there is some bigger fish to fry than myself. Like it would be burn a, down the whole program though. Bur- burn down the city. Burn down Lindsay Street. Just not the part that I live in. Throw it away. Not my city. Throw it away. Start over. Because yeah, no, it'd be a devastating loss because they're just. It looks like on paper they're just not. This is not a team that should be able to keep up offensively with. I guess, but that's the thing. I think the only thing going for UCLA right now is it's decent defensively. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it's a a power, but that's not their defense. Isn't necessarily their problem. They're getting they're getting fifty dropped on them. They just can't score. It's the insane thing that they have Chip Kelly. The guy who engineered an Oregon offense that was revered in college football mm-hmm. can't seem to put together at least you know a decent, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it, maybe it's just the the guys that Chip has, and it's just too early in his tenure. But you would think at least UCLA would have a baseline of guys that he can form and mold into his offensive system. Because I mean, this is not the Chip Kelly of past that we're so accustomed to being. I mean, when I, when he went to UCLA, I was I, I think my initial impression was that that's bad news for college football because Chip Kelly recruiting Los Angeles, that's a recipe for success. At least on paper, it seemed like Chip Kelly could walk into that situation and USC is not exactly where USC once was. So it's not like they're it's 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 not like you're entering entering a situation where you're this huge underdog in your own city, your own state. You have the resources, or at least you should have the resources to be a competitive football team. Um, but as we saw last year, OU dominated uh, UCLA. And, I mean, that one, once again, I, th- I don't even know if people really expected OU to to win that one as easily as they did. But, I mean, does, does is there any conceivable way that OU comes out of this weekend with a loss? I mean, I think it's highly unlikely, but I just – I would never be surprised by anything I saw in college football. <laughs> I did not think Iowa State was going to come to Norman in 2017 and, and beat OU. And that – with a third – you do remember that game began – that weekend began with all of the all of the commotion about I the starter, whose name I can't even remember now. It seems like they've gone through five quarterbacks Zeb since then. Zeb Noland? No, this was before Zeb. This Kyle was, Kent. I think it was Jacob – is his name Jacob Parks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember yeah, this all yeah. started? Jacob Parks like left the team that Friday. Yeah. Or had, am I I could have that name completely wrong. I'm gonna have to I know who up. you're talking about, and I think people will know remember who you're talking about. Yes. That that weekend all started. This is this name is probably so wrong. It, um, did, it didn't get any better with the all red uniforms, which I think a lot of people will tell you were cursed. Yeah, and it was Jacob Jacob Park. And uh so, anyways, I just wouldn't have thought that Iowa State would come in with a backup that would just be able to win. But yeah, I think OU is in pretty good shape. I guess uh, I read in our own Clay Horning's column today that th- they're among the best, uh, the top four teams expected to cover this weekend, according to covers.com. dot com. I didn't um, know. I didn't know that website existed. I didn't either, but. Uh, it's helpful to know. It's good that Clay knows it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how he found it, but he did. And uh, so that's out there. I don't know. Yeah, they should win. I mean, I think they ought to, they ought to win pretty big. But I, I do know it's just kind of, you know, give a team three weeks. Maybe they'll figure something out. You never know. I don't know. Uh, it is, it's that first road game. You never know how maybe some young guys are going to play. Uh, I don't know. I mean – I don't mind. I'm just. I wouldn't be stunned if they went over there and just laid an egg. I guess. I guess my thing is just like the fact that this is what college teams do. College teams just lay eggs when you don't expect them to. That's, they show up flat when you don't expect them to. And like if there's fair. nobody in the stands, like I mean, I'm. I would legitimately worry about that if I was a coach. I'd be like, I, I would hope there would be a full house because you want guys to be jacked up and to hear, be in that visiting locker room and you know hear the hear the kind of the place rumbling and go out. I mean. If you go out and just a dead crowd, and oh, that's just going to be a sad sight if the Rose Bowl is just kind of 
a shell. It's not the magic isn't going to be there that was there in 2017. That was a magical, with the exception of me personally having a 102 degree temperature, it was magical. You were so you also had you came down with the with the flu with yeah. Baker Mayfield during that Rose Bowl. Yeah, widely underreported compared to Baker Mayfield. I also had the flu. That was my flu game. Okay. Yes, did Baker Mayfield it? And just to be clear, only one of us left that stadium with an L. It wasn't me. But so was, I was, not, but nobody's talking about it. Nobody talked about it. People forget. People forget. People, the flu how game. soon they forget? How you know? I was just drinking Gatorade, eating. Who knows what I was doing? I, I was just grinding, just I play after play. It was just the game kept going. I was like, "This is, this is insane." I, I was gonna say I don't mean to demean anything that I've ever covered. I mean, I I would imagine the like if I had the flu and was covering a game, I would be too jacked up to really worry about the flu. Like you know, we would just go about the job. I did have the flu once covering state basketball tournament, like Class B state basketball tournament oh, yeah. at the state fairgrounds. I was the big house of races all. Oh, you didn't. Oh well, it no, I do co- it? I covered it. I I was there for like twelve hours, and I just did my best to like. I didn't want to like. I was just like doing my best to avoid hand contact with anyone. Oh, I was just, I felt, and I like, I sat at the very end. I mean, they have a press. Imagine you probably gave some poor girl from Leedy the flu. I did cover a Leedy game. Hammond's best sharpshooter probably left with germs. I, I really hope not. I really hope not. But I tried to avoid people as best as I could that, that, that day. But I was, that, that was, that was about as sick as I've ever been. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, the, this Rose Bowl game, you mentioned it being possibly a dead crowd, the Rose Bowl. I mean, it's a big stadium. It's, is it's as big as Oklahoma's home venue, which, um, it doesn't look super big because there's not like really, a. it's not split into like decks or anything like that from, from what I can tell, but I think one, it's just a straight bowl. Yeah. But the one thing that I do wonder about is how well OU fans are going to travel for this one. Because I do think that there is a possibility that OU fans could 50-50, like, you know, be the crowd there. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, but I've saw I've seen a couple people on Twitter, you know, obviously the more hardcore supporters that are talking about going. And it's it's one of those trips, I would guess. It's probably wouldn't have been a bad story. Idea. Maybe talk to some. I mean, you know, you see UCLA on the schedule. You see Rose Bowl. This is before – it's been on the schedule since before OU – went to the Rose Bowl. I mean, you think this is our this could be as a, from a fan's perspective, this is our one chance to go to the Rose Bowl and see OU play there and make a make a weekend in California out of it. So it's a this is what fans do. I mean, they they stash some money aside for these kinds of destinations. So that could happen. That could be maybe 50-50. That'd be pretty cool, but I mean, it's kind of seems like a pipe dream. I just feel like I don't know if I don't I just don't know if OU fans and UCLA fans are both going to live up to that and split, fill the place up. I think the the thing that probably will help is that, and I, I feel like I've seen this through the interviews this week with OU players, is the fact that OU has so many California guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the the parent section usually isn't like, you know, it's not like in the thousands by any means, but you hear the way that Grant Calcaterra talks and Buki Radley Hiles talks. It seems like they're going to have a lot of support out there. And honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just feel like if you're just a college football fan who lives in LA and you've got the number four team or number five team in the country, depending on what poll you're looking at coming into town, like that's a, I'd go watch that. And I mean, if you just like college football um, and, the other, the other thing, the, the other part of this is just the fact that uh, you mentioned how many times does OU get to go to the Rose Bowl? They only really get in in 2017. They, they only go in 2017 because it was a playoff site. But otherwise, that's always going to be a, you know, a Big Ten, uh, Big Ten Pac-12 matchup. And mm-hmm. OU fans, I'm sure as much as, I mean, as much as I love New Orleans and as much as probably OU fans, I would assume love New Orleans. You can only go to the Sugar Bowl so many times, which has kind of been the case. Uh, that's the you know the Big Twelve tie-in game, um, and they've they've been to the Orange Bowl a few times now in the past few years, which is more of a traditional one. But that's one OU has gone to quite a bit, especially for the older crowd that probably have seen a lot of OU Orange Bowl games. But the Rose Bowl is just it's super rare, and 
I mean, the whole storyline going into the 2017 game is how this is the first time in 15 years OU's going to go back. And It's so weird to me that it's so rare. Like, everybody's like, oh, it's just so weird to get there because it's so traditionally, you know, like a Big 12 or Big a 10. Big 10 Pac-12. Yeah. And it's just like, it's kind of like anytime you ask somebody, like, how did you get into pharmaceutical sales? They're like, oh, you know, just just knew a guy. It's like, what do you mean I can't just turn an application? They're like, no, you just I knew somebody. It's one of those things. You're like, you what do you, well, how'd you get in? It's like you did. It's like Jerry Seinfeld in the house in Tuscany. Remember? Yeah. You don't remember. I, I, uh, I don't. There are eight Californians from OU on the roster that I can tell. Jordan Parker, Caleb Kelly, Jeremiah Cradell, TJ Pledger, who obviously won't play, Jonathan Perkins, Brendan Radley-Hiles, Grant Calcaterra, and Dylan Famantau. If you had to I think write- all those guys will play except for Pledger. Poss- I, and Perkins Maybe Perkins. Play. Yeah, he probably won't play. I guess you, he may not even may not travel. I don't know. If you had to rank the <laughs> California Sooners one through eight, oh, who, who's number one? What are we talking about? Like most important to the team right now, or could yeah. be the best NFL player? Most important to OU's team right now. Uh, I guess it would be Calcaterra, right? Well, I, was I, say, I don't could, know. I mean, the one they need to play the best is is Brendan Radley Hiles. I was going to say, I think it might or, be. I, I mean, the way he played against South Dakota, which big caveat there in South Dakota but you said I mean, most important right most important to the team I mean you need Calcaterra um, you you wouldn't want somebody as good as him to go down but they're uh he's not as important as Buki because no, there's that, just like ba- I was gonna say it's probably a bad let, let me rephrase that because I don't I don't want to set you up to say something like Super derogatory, but just valuable like, is probably the better word that well, just, you're looking OU's for. Deep, like OU's deeper at tight end. Than yeah, no, I mean nickel. it's yeah. There's more value to what basically a a great defensive back right now could bring to OU yeah. than what a great tight end could bring because of the depth there and because of what OU lacks defensively. So, I mean, he's one. That's kind of interesting that he's. I don't know if I'm ready to say he's coming on after getting in on a couple of turnovers against South Dakota, but it finally happened for him, you know, a couple of big plays and that's, you just never know that could set up go. That could set him off. I mean, you got to do it against somebody. Yeah. And the fact that he did it against South Dakota, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people probably look at that and say like, you know, big deal, but he didn't do it last year against, you know, FAU or UCLA or um, anyone of that caliber. And I was going to say, not that he would do it against army because they don't throw the ball, but mm-hmm. I mean, they need they need Buki Radley Hiles to be good, and they need that defense to continue doing because they just I mean they fell off last year kind of around this time. It's it, it it's a big it's a big game for OU to kind of show that you know that, that that they're changing under Alex Grinch, and I do think that there is probably more positive signs that this is realer than it was last year. Now it could still turn out to be really bad. They gave up 31 points to Houston, and a little bit of that was garbage time, making it look a little closer than it probably was. But, I mean, they need this defense to – if they can't stop uh, Dorian uh, Thompson-Robinson, which is just a mouthful of a name, um, who has not looked good through two weeks and he's a sophomore, I mean, he just hasn't looked good at all. He has uh, three touchdowns, two interceptions. That – First week against Cincinnati, he was he completed like thirty three percent of his passes, and he threw like twenty six, I think. Um, but just has not looked good, and looks only at fifty two percent for the year. It's for the yeah. whatever two weeks. His still, his he completely looked, he looked pretty good last year, I thought. Yeah, and that was the thing is, I, I I thought we all thought that him as a freshman that okay he's he's figuring it out, and he has another year to learn under Chip Kelly, and it's just not coming along quite as well as they probably they probably hoped. Now they've got some guys and I'm kind of looking down the list of the the Bruins to watch from the game notes but like you mentioned the running back Joshua Kelly who's a senior um, hasn't played exceptional this year but was really good last year was really productive last year. Um, and he's got a guy in Theo Howard who uh, who was a thousand yard receiver last season and just they've got it feels like they do have offensive pieces but they're just not all coming together quite the way i think we all expected under chip kelly um but it's just going to be really interesting to see if this ou defense if they are going to come and carry this momentum because say what you will about south dakota but 
this OU defense just needs momentum. They just need confidence, I think, is because when they got down and I uh, I was thinking about this quite. Uh, I was talk. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I always thought last year. If that Army game doesn't happen, maybe I was talking with you about this. I, I I just wonder, if that Army game doesn't happen, they just don't get humiliated like the way they were. Against if, Army? Yeah. Yep. If, if They just got embarrassed. They just got, you know, and, and maybe it would have just happened against someone else. But if that game doesn't happen, if they just schedule, you know, East Panhandle State or whoever, d- does that team kind of, d- does their, I guess, does Mike Stoops' expiration date get extended a little bit into later in the season? Well, or? So you viewed Army as the rock bottom? I feel, well, I feel like that was the turning point. I think that was where, I think that was probably like the definitive strike two, and if this happens again, you're done. And it happened again a few weeks later against Texas. Eh, I feel like kind of got validated a little bit with Army. They put up 70 on Houston in the bowl and then almost beat Michigan. I feel like if Mike Stoops is vindicated anywhere, it's the Army game because I think they've, I just think that's a brand of football that they've kind of got something figured out. Like, here's how you beat a good spread team. Like, you just don't let them have the ball. Yeah. Like, I'm stunned Michigan was able to beat them. I mean, Army kind of shot itself in the foot. Uh, but. I no, I don't know. I mean, it was not a great game. I mean, they were of all teams, they were OU is especially bad at stopping the option and, and all that run football. I felt like Texas watching them just try and gang tackle bigger receivers from behind, out of position, that was really bad. I felt like the low the rock bottom was even though Texas was rock bottom, and I feel, I don't want to spend too much time just going over last going over the struggles of last season. I don't want to dig up an old grave, but like to me, rock bottom was Kansas. The rushing over three hundred yards rushing to Kansas at home. Yeah, that's that's as bad as you can do. So, but yeah. you're right. I mean, I think they do need momentum, and they uh, if you can come out of this game with a, a good defensive performance, where you're just if nothing else, you're just kind of on par with what you've done so far. I think that's going to be really good for them, and. Um, the coverage will get tested again. I'm just it's really interesting every week to watch and see how they'll do. Jalen Redman, I think, has made a difference in two games. I mean, that guy's they were waiting all preseason to see if they could get him back and he's just got a strength to him. That that video of him splitting those offensive linemen and just pushing them around. I guess it would have been against Houston, I think. But uh I mean he's he's got impressive strength and it's gonna be interesting to see how he develops week to week if if his people like his upside so much and he could seems to do a lot with a very little preparation, you know, he kind of, he, when he played last season, he came into the game against Kansas state and immediate impact. And it's just, he might be one of those guys that takes big steps every week. Uh, so that'll really be something to watch. And I feel like I haven't watched enough this pre-snap movement that Grinch's defense are are supposed to do. I maybe I'm not watching closely enough, but I haven't noticed just, tons and tons of that and maybe yeah. i'm you know i'm as guilty as anybody i'll miss things up in the press box we're kind of doing a lot at once and a lot happens on a football field at once but it doesn't seem like i'm really going to try and watch for that this week i mean do you think it's just like maybe trying to oversimplify it as they kind of early in the season could and be try to um not throw too much of too much at them all at once could be yeah and they might be doing it more than i'm than i'm noticing too yeah. but just doesn't seem like and you're you're totally right. I think maybe it's like you bring that stuff along, and maybe you maybe you uh, do a little bit more of it in the Big Twelve season. I really don't know, but um, yeah, a lot of just still the storylines are just kind of fun to f- fun slash fascinating to see. You know, can Hertz keep up this efficiency? I mean, my can God, he smile. <sighs> probably not going to happen. He'll probably he'll probably throw an incompletion long after he'll smile. Oh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, I, I honestly don't care if like this is the the attitude he's going to bring every week because long like, before he'll smile. Yeah. Yes. I get. I get. I'm you. sorry. You're good. I, I just want to say this, and we kind of me and Clay talked about this on the post game pod. I really don't care too much about how he approaches it. If he doesn't mm-hmm. want to be, if he wants to give the the canned answer that like you know we're not satisfied, that you know we're focused on winning, I it's it's kind of whatever to me. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd rather have that than a lot of different type of personalities. And just because it uh, doesn't always come off great on the transcription. And, you know, when you're trying to write a story about the guy, he just, 
that's just his personality. And we do, we do keep hearing, we, we keep hearing that from his teammates that he jokes around. He just doesn't do it in front of us. Like Charleston Rambo literally said, like, he just doesn't do it in front of y'all. Right. Which I'm just waiting for, like, someone with more access, like a Fox Sports segment or something like that, where they go inside and show the true Jalen Hurts, him him singing maybe, or doing, you know, stand-up comedy in front of the locker room. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to see it happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Probably I, not. I think he detests the media part of this. I, I mean, and which, is, again, is okay, but I just don't think he likes it. I don't think Probably he not. has much time for it. And his dad kind of seemed like the same way when he was interviewed by Holly Rowe up in the stands uh, against Houston. He was just kind of like, not that he was put off, but he was just kind of like ho-hum. Like, it didn't seem to really interest him or – thrill him to be entertained by ESPN or to be interviewed by ESPN. So like, and I get it. I don't even, and it's not, does not help us, but I really don't care. Like, what are we, what are people supposed to do? Like when Baker Mayfield was what he was, everybody was like, why is this guy so out of control? Why, you know, somebody's got to rein this guy in. How can a guy call, how can a quarterback act like this? And now we've got Jalen Hurts who says nothing and shows no emotion, and people are just like, "Why isn't he? Where's the fire? Like, why he's? What was he talking about? We got to get better. Like, he's a robot. And like, what are you gonna do? How 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 is a kid? I would have no clue how to present myself as a quarterback in 2019 if this is the reaction that people are gonna give. Like, nothing's good enough. Where's the happy medium? That probably doesn't help. That Jalen Hurts has probably experienced more media than any college football player in their first, I guess, three years would encounter. A, you play at Alabama, where I think the media coverage is crazy because they treat it like a professional team, kind of like we treat OU football as a professional team. The beat's huge covering the Sooners. So you're never going to find a shortage of OU coverage because there's 20 different outlets to cover it. And I think the same goes for Alabama. The other thing is, it's just like, I could imagine... Jalen Hurts probably is just so numb to it and has probably been asked so many questions because from 2016 when he was a freshman, he gets Alabama to the national title game. Uh, 2017, he gets in the national title game. And uh, last year as well, just like they – this guy has been – and I bring that up because when you get to the playoff, you have to do so much more media. One week you're in the semifinal and you have to – you know, entertain this, this media day. Then you have to do it all over again the next week when you make the national championship. It's just a lot. Um, and, and I can imagine how taxing that would be. And especially also probably when you're a high school football recruit, who's getting recruited by Alabama, that people are going to be paying attention to you more than, more than not. And you're in Houston. Um, but I don't know. I, well, I just, what I've heard, he wasn't as available at Alabama as he is at OU. Like, you don't have to make anybody available at any time if you don't want. I mean, reporters aren't going to like it. They'll they'll bitch. But, like, I don't – it sounds like Nick Saban didn't make him available maybe quite as much as he is here. I don't know if that's true or not. But I'm sure if last that's year the he case, wasn't. Last year for sure, yeah. But he's pretty good at it. It's not like he gets worn down. I've always, I've always said since we started talking with him, you don't wear Jalen Hurts down in an interview setting. He wears you down. It's, it's over quickly because – you people run out of things to ask him because he doesn't say anything. But Monday, I thought he was as good as he's ever been. Yeah, here, I mean, wasn't perfection, but it was. He was. It, you, it's helpful to at least be able to ask him about his teammates, which we've tried in the past, and he's at times even declined to do. Like, I mean, that's that has happened. We've we've asked him about a guy, and he like just doesn't even get into it. He definitely and, struggles, but he's. I think he did a little bit more Monday, but. In the past, he hasn't. So, he definitely I think Riley's got. I think it's got to be refreshing for Riley. I, I think in some way, he probably loved having Baker Mayfield for what the wins, and they have a, obviously have a great relationship. But that had to have been hard on him in 2017, what, dealing with all the baggage that came with that. With Hertz, he didn't have to deal with any of it. I don't think Hertz is going to get arrested anytime I, soon. I don't think Hertz is going to be grabbing his crotch on the. That was my fifteen dollar Casio watch. I don't think. Hertz is going to be grabbing his crotch on the sideline. But if he does, that's this weekend. Beautiful content for us. Yeah. I need to, you know, I need to, I wonder what he's like on the sideline. Just like a statue. They probably just forget he's there. Well, I just, I would wonder if, if players try to trash talk him. Like if they try to get in his head. Who I don't know. Like, I wonder he's how that would He's such a hard play. ass. Yeah. 
I, I wouldn't. It's not a guy. I mean, trash talking happens. It'd be. I think I could see how people would trash talk Mayfield. I think Kyler Murray. He had an arrogance about him. You know, and uh, I think people from Texas, especially, wanted a, a crack at him because he was so popular. Jalen Hurts just kind of. I think people respect him. I'm sure they do, but I'm. I'm, sure, I'm yeah. I, I, I feel like if you're a defensive player, like, and I'm not saying that, you know, any of these guys from like South Dakota are a bunch of knuckleheads or anything like that, but. I mean, if you're a South Dakota or you're a smaller Big 12 school and, like, this is your shot to 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 say something to Jalen Hurts on the field and maybe prove a point for your own self-validation, then, like, I mean, I could imagine someone might try to take that opportunity. But I just imagine – I just would love to see an interaction where someone tries to actively go after Jalen Hurts verbally. Oh, that would be sweet. I just want a camera. I just want. To, I want a camera following around Jalen Hurts and seeing those interactions. Who would do that? Does the Big Twelve? They just. They're just like isn't a bad boy, easy to hate defender in the league this year, is there? Brecken Hager was kind of that guy. Uh, oh, Ty was it Summers from TCU? Ty Summers, yeah. the guy that uh, concussed Mayfield, or and then was he also who did do we did they ever identify which player Mayfield hit in the head with the ball at? I don't think so. Did we that it was just the fact it was just a story that he threw a ball that nailed a player in the head. Yeah, he was like crossing through like their warm-ups. Yeah, TCU came out through their warm-ups. Honestly, both are at fault. Like I think Mayfield probably could have seen the guy was crossing through, but also why would you Oh, I think it was a absolute strike on Mayfield's part. <laughs> I think it was an accident. Yeah, but why would you run through a guy's like throwing drill? Like No, I know. That just you're you're a football player. You should know, like you should have the wherewithal to be like, maybe I shouldn't run through that. Maybe I should go around. No, it's a total uh, standoff in that situation. People run through a throwing know. line because they think they're going to make whoever's throwing and catching stop. And Mayfield didn't stop. He just threw the ball at somebody. Just dinged him up. God, yeah. those are wild days. Craving yeah. some of that lately, man. It's been. It, I mean, the content train has been a little dry. It's, I mean, it's still an. I mean, it is a fabulous season to cover with a lot of things happening and a like a lot of cool opponents on the schedule but uh there's just no making up for some of the just the unpredictability of having somebody like Mayfield in the program but I I do think Hertz is such a respectable guy it's it's kind of cool to watch him go about it I mean he's just so just the way you know going to the gym after he showed I don't know the last time I don't know that Kyler Murray last year showed up at the postgame presser in his full uniform like Hertz did. Yeah, and, and I mean, don't know the last time Mayfield did that, with the exception of the la- the only time Kyler Murray would have done it would have been the loss at against Texas at the Cotton Bowl. I think he showed up kind of in a heap at that one uh, in the in the visitors postgame press conference, just in his uniform. Otherwise, at home, Kyler Murray showed up in his you know. His in his drip. fit, yeah, he was showed up looking good. Hertz showed up week two at home, just in his football uniform because he wanted to go work out afterwards. And then the responses to those questions about that uh, Monday were really funny. Well, I was gonna say I, I saw when he came in to the game against South Dakota, he had a different suit on. I think it was different. Mm-hmm. And then afterward, I mean, after the Houston game. He got he put his suit back on, which I wasn't expecting him to like walk into the game with a suit. I figured he'd ha- just have like an OU T-shirt, like a Jumpman T-shirt or something like that. He put the full suit back on, and then after South Dakota, when I saw he was just like in his uh, still like in like OU's like home football pants and uh, was wearing like the the undershirt and whatnot, I was just like that's strange. Like I, I, maybe he just had to do extra. Well, then I was just like, did he have to do extra interviews? But it's a pay-per-view game. It's not like there's extra media that he just couldn't have the time to do it. And the fact that, I mean, that is honestly like, I, I thought it was so funny. It was week one, uh, Clemson played Georgia Tech. And there's this live shot of David Pollock on the sideline uh, of Georgia Tech's sideline. He's like, I've never seen anything like this. And it pans to like, Georgia Tech has like bench they're press. Weights. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're lifting weights right before the game. I'm like, that's insane. That's crazy, but to after beating South Dakota, they put up seventy on him, and he's just like, "I'm not, I'm not satisfied." Which I don't know. We don't, we honestly don't know why he did it. He said, I, he, "Well, I got some good context out of that." I think just by asking, it's not groundbreaking, but like, 
Hertz's response a second time about that was like sometimes when you run around a lot, like pitchers after they throw a game, they'll jog afterwards because it moves that lactic acid through your body and it which actually relieves soreness. It's like a kind of counterintuitive, but like you do a bunch of act uh, repetitive motions, you know, like throwing a football or running, a light workout will sort of actually release some of that soreness. And right. Riley also said Monday that technically game days are their lightest days because if you take out a workout and a practice, he says, I mean, that's, I'm pretty, that's what he said. Game days are their lightest days. I mean, you spend all day or whatever waiting around for a game or you play a game in the morning and then you have the rest of the time off. And if, if that's right, then I guess I kind of get at first it did seem absurd, but I, I guess it's maybe not as absurd. Still just kind of cool, kind of part of his story. And he's when he was asked about it, he was just like, like Paul Bunyan up there. He's just not taking anything from anybody. It just, it just, just get seems, more work in, man. It just seems like something, and not to self promote, but like I do a Friday Night Lights podcast. Oh, it, seem, it seems like something I would make fun of, like in a TV show, like a like a TV show about football. If like a player was like working out after the game, I'd be like, that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. No, no, no player after yeah. a game would do that. And I would That's make fun Riggins. of it. Riggins would go do that. <laughs> I can imagine like Tim Riggins just like drinking a beer, doing some bench yeah. pressing. And I, I don't know. Got a but. six pack like out in Billy's garage. Good old Billy. But yeah, that, it, just, it just seemed so far fetched. But I mean, it adds to, like you said, the, the, the legend of Jalen Hurts. He's just such an, like for a guy that doesn't say a lot, he's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been talking about Jalen Hurts, I feel like quite a bit. Somebody's got to get like a definitive story. I don't know who it'll be. Someone's going to do it. I wish. Hopefully, it's me. I think I'm looking at the man right now. No, who's going to get it? No, but I mean, I would love to see just an in-depth dive with a bunch of yeah. good stuff. It won't be from him, but I'd like to learn more about him. Well, I feel like it's going to come through the people around him. Not to give anyone a blueprint, but I just feel like it's it's right. only it's only going to come from people around. It's not going to come from him. That's not easy to get a hold of. No. Well, I was going to say, like, I feel like the most interesting stuff that came out of Kyler Murray's career and of Baker Mayfield's career, it was always someone close to him. Oh, yeah. Who would talk, who was willing to talk about it. Yeah, um, I think it's just such a sticky situation with the Alabama stuff. I don't think you want to look like a brat because you're probably still thinking, you know, kind of hanging in the balance here is Hertz's pro career. You know, you don't want to look difficult to deal with, uh, you don't want to cause a bunch of drama. And from OU's standpoint, you don't want to you don't want to open up a bunch of skeletons about Alabama with with the knowledge that you might play him in the college football playoff later in the season. So I mean, he's on lockdown from a lot of different angles. Like, I don't think you want to look high maintenance for potential teams that might want to draft you. you there's no reason to talk much about Alabama because I'm sure Lincoln Riley's like, look, we don't need to give them any more bulletin board material. Hurts already, not exactly. Kathy Lee, by any means, or Kathy Griffin. Which one's really annoying? Both of them? I think... Not a chatterbox, by any means. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I don't think... It's just... Hurts isn't going to be writing in a tell-all book. He's not going to be writing no excuses and narrating his own story anytime soon. Which came out this week. Yeah. Um, I'd like to hear it. I'd like to listen to the audio. Yeah, Bob Stoops narrates the audio book for his autobiography. It's insane. I just can't believe they got him to do that. Yeah. But good on Bob for... I wouldn't... I don't think I could read a whole book out loud. No. It, it seems like it, it... It honestly seems like it'd be so daunting to like read an entire book. Like for... Especially for, about yourself. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like... It is like the, the book is from like his first person view though. So it's... I guess it's not yeah. too terrible. It'd, it'd be like giving a long speech. It is daunting to say the least. I don't know that I'd want to do it, but if you paid me, I would. I'd love to be it. in the. I I would just love to be in the booth in the studio with Bob Stoops, just like treating it like he's a rapper and be like, I "Wonder where he did it." Let's do that one more time. Yeah, <laughs> just like turn turn, turn my the, headphones up. <laughs> turn the bass up. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I did want to ask you as we kind of wind down this really weird podcast that didn't talk too much about UCLA at all. Um, where does the Rose bowl? Cause I feel like we, we, where does the Rose bowl rank for you in terms of places you've covered a game? Because we've talked a little bit about 
the Rose Bowl. I asked Lincoln Riley on Monday about what the Rose Bowl means, and I've seen other people uh, that have asked players and co- assistant coaches, like, you know, what's uh, what's it like playing at the playing at the Rose Bowl? Mm-hmm. But for you, just like, I mean, is it as grand? Coach, uh, how do you feel about playing at the Rose Bowl? This What's weekend? it like playing at the Rose Bowl? <laughs> but for you, though, per- being a journalist and you kind of getting to get it from your perched up in the press box, I mean, is it as grand as everyone says? It's it's cool. It's really cool. Um, and underselling it a little bit. I, I mean, I just noted. I, I'm t- I was literally delirious that night, oh, honestly, and I it was really hard to soak in all the detail and like crystallize all the details in my mind because it was just. It was just, I mean, it was, it was really cool, but I literally was freezing when I left. I had a, I mean, I had a fever. I needed to get Advil. I was like wearing a little, I was wearing like a thin blazer and it was, you know, it was, desis, well, it was January 1st, wasn't it? It's was New Year's Day. Yeah. So it was, I mean, was kind of chilly there, but it was, it was really cool. It is magical. The sun going down on those mountains is awesome. There's these huge like eucalyptus trees, I think that kind of like they're they tower i mean these got they've got to be like four or five story eucalyptus trees they come up over the top of the stadium in the background it's really cool i still just think the i mean the coolest place i've been in and the best atmosphere by far was columbus uh and it just was electric just the pregame hype and it's a beautiful place the stadium just all that stone and um it tv it doesn't do it on ju- any justice on tv and it was just a it was a you know it was a good game for Kind of was not that close in the end, but it was it was compet- it had a tenseness to it that was that you could feel and uh, just really neat place, cool cool weather for being. I think it was like the second third week of September and fall had kind of come a little bit early there, so it was like seventy five seventy. It was just awesome, but yeah, no, the Rose Bowl is really cool. It's uh, really neat, and if you, if anybody ever gets an opportunity to go, you should. You should go, even if you're just like in town. I think there's a park around there or something. You could just you could just go to the Rose Bowl and see the outside and be cool. It, it's funny that you bring up Ohio State because I noticed someone asked Grant Calcaterra about his first road game at OU was that game against Ohio State, which, I mean, if you're an OU player, that's a, that's one hell of a place to go to for your first true road game. And... I mean, oh, you comes out on top on that one, which I still kind of. Trey look, Sermon played so great first road game. Yeah, and Freshman. I I look back at that game quite a bit and think like, I don't get how OU won that game. Like mm-hmm. that that shouldn't. I mean, that was a good OU team, and maybe one that you could argue that they probably should have beat Georgia. I mean, they were right there, and as bad as their defense was, I mean, they s- somehow looked still like maybe one of the best two or three teams in the country. Mm-hmm. But that was just, and for for Lincoln Riley, if I mean it was so early in his career, you just weren't sure that like I mean, is it just a product of the guys that he has? But it was it was a statement win of anything, and just like for him to be, you know, second or third week on the job of, or at least in during the season to go out and do that was just incredible. But on the flip side of that, the freshman this year, their first road game is going to be at the Rose Bowl, which. It's not going to be. It's probably not going to be rocking like the Buckeye fans were. There's not game day. There's not huge playoff implications for both sides. Now this game, this game for OU. If there's anything that if 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 you're if you're the Sooner football team, I should say, if there's anything you got to hope for is that somehow Chip Kelly turns it around because they're. Their marquee win, I don't know where it's going to come from outside of Texas. Texas losing to LSU isn't end of the world, but you kind of got to hope at this point that A, Texas is the only other game that they lose this year is to Oklahoma because getting into the college football playoff, if you have one loss, I don't know where you're – I mean, if you lose to Texas and maybe that would just put Texas in, but like if if this is an OU team with one loss, they don't – they're not going to have an argument for saying like, well, we beat this team. They don't. They're not going to have some sexy road win over a great football team. You, I mean, if you're if you're Lincoln Riley, as far as just campaigning for OU to get into the playoff, if they do trip up, which I'm still not sold that this team is going to go run the table and be undefeated. I, I mean, there's a very good chance they lose to Texas, and there's a chance that they lose to some other Big Twelve team. Um, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but like that's the other I think kind of the the weird thing about this game <laughs> is that 
you know, oh, you can't cough this one up. Um, they can't go out there and, you know, th- this is just such an important one in the grand scheme of things for Oklahoma. <laughs> you look so disappointed in me. <laughs> I coughed and you said they can't cough this I know. one up, but I'm trying to figure out if that was intentional. It was. Okay, good. Uh, but yeah, no. Well, they but, didn't have a non-conference. They didn't have a marquee non-conference win last year either. Lost to Texas and got in. Yeah, but I think that Big 12 championship game kind of helps. And I think it, yeah. it, the big thing is somebody... One loss just I don't that does not I think that used to really concern Big Twelve teams I think and since that whole thing with where a Big Twelve team didn't get in people have to recognize that the Big Twelve perceptions changed like it's it's not a SEC type beefy league but I think people still at least OU's off from an offensive perspective OU has the benefit of the doubt that that uh, it can go into a college football playoff and have some success. Although, I mean, they did get kind of the doors blown off them last year, but didn't have Marquise Brown. So, I mean, that makes a difference. But uh, watching, I was saying, watching Marquise Brown for the Ravens on Sunday. That's crazy. Like, I, I knew that Lincoln wasn't really going to say anything. I really wanted to ask him, though, like, do you think, how much does that Alabama game change if that's the Marquise Brown you have, the full strength Marquise Brown? Mm-hmm. And Lincoln's not ever going to, he would never answer anything like that and say, like, you know, you know, well, we would have won if we would have had that Marquise Brown. I mean, he said before he liked their chances, even he felt like they were kind of in it. And I, I believe that he believes that they were they were in it when he told us. I mean, he told us that, like the next day. He was like, you know, it just they felt like they were a stop away. And really, they're just that, they lost that by was 11. their thing. I mean, they just the problem was they got I mean, they just I don't know what happened at the beginning. They just got their ass kicked. Yeah. But like, uh. Yeah, if you just have a defense and get stops, you can get back with that offense. You you're never really out of it. It's kind of like kind of like the Warriors. You know, you got all those three point shooters. Like you're you're really never out of a game. Steph Curry's not stopping LeBron James. Yeah, yeah you're going to spread people out and and score. Yeah. So I don't know uh, where, but yeah, I don't, it'll be interesting kind of to see. You definitely don't want to slip up here. So you don't if think you're a, Oklahoma like and UCLA just that's just not that's not what you want to go do. You don't want to be forced to have to run the table from here and have that on your uh, on your resume. So, so you don't think that? I mean, and we've kind of heard the chatter, and he wrote about this about you know Nick Saban and his scheduling philosophy, and Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley kind of uh, being asked about the same thing on Monday. I mean, you don't think this is as big a deal that OU doesn't have a premier game in the non-conference to help boost the resume? I think you want it, but uh, I mean. It, so Army helped – I guess Army helped them last year, right? That would be the the big non-conference win. I mean, it turned out to be a really good win for Oklahoma. Yeah, but, I mean, at the time, nobody thought that. But, you know, the when they lost, by the time they lost to Texas, it wasn't like – that nobody was looking at that Army game like, oh, well, at least we got Army. I mean, there had there was legitimate worry that it was the playoff hopes were done. I just think the, pro, the thing is somebody always ends up losing a game. Something always evens out – to kind of get them, uh, but I shouldn't say always, but there's a very good chance that somebody can lose and you can get yourself back in the conversation. And with the Big 12 championship, you could possibly play a, a top 10 Texas team, a top 12 Texas team. Uh, so it's just, it is a long season. You kind of just have to wait for it to go. But yeah, I mean, I get why people, after you lose one game, it's like it's over. But it wouldn't, I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time worrying about not having that marquee game. Uh, you know, Houston and UCLA, it's not a bad schedule. Not not great, but it's there's worse schedules out there, you know. Do you want to overreact after two two weeks of college football and say who the four teams are gonna get in the playoff? Well, I think uh I would feel pretty safe putting Clemson and Alabama in there. But it's a, it's a good call there. I don't you know, what is how many years has it been? Um I don't know. I mean, I kind of like Oklahoma to get there. I would say Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and boy, everybody likes to just go with that top four. Who else could sneak in? I guess LSU or Georgia. I mean, I mean LSU with their win over Texas is pretty kinda, good. That's a good win. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna put them, I think, far ahead as far as I mean, if there are two SEC teams that make it, mm-hmm. if they were to lose to Bama and but they don't lose any other games and sit out the SEC title game and Georgia takes one on the chin to, to, to Bama, they might sneak in. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say just because I don't know how many years it's gonna remain the same. I'm gonna go Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma. I like it. Um, you don't have a. I was gonna say I'm looking at the picks for this weekend. You have OU winning in a blowout. You don't have them covering the spread, but you have OU winning in a blowout. Seems about right. Forty-two to twenty. I'm okay with that, yeah. Sorry, not to give away our, our, our game no, day no. content, but when you're listening to this, whenever that might be. I'm okay with forty two to twenty. I don't I mean I could see UCLA scoring twenty points against Oklahoma. Wouldn't be shocked. For sure. Well, Tyler, it is going to be an interesting football game. Seven PM Oklahoma and UCLA. It'll be on the Fox. Is that a that's a big Fox game? Am I right am I right? Yeah, Big Fox. Fox. It'll be, oh, sorry, 6 p.m. kickoff. Or Oh, this is there's some contradiction here. I'm looking at the game notes. Saturday at 6 p.m., but then it says 7 p.m. in another place. Uh, it's a 7 p.m. kick. I mean, 7 p.m. kick. Look at that first note. What's going on? We have things wrong on the notes here? Yeah. Look at the top. Where? Oklahoma at UCLA right below it says 7 p.m. And then, Where does and it the, say different? And then opening kick, the, the first bullet. Yeah. It's... Dicey. Some people might miss the first hour of the game. That the game notes weren't perfect. Well, this week. Um, well, I feel like as if there is a loyal listener here, I would hate to leave this conversation just without saying exactly what time this game starts. It would be difficult in Central Time. So, what I'm going to do right now, as a service, is look up the time on OU's website here. I'm excited for this. Oh, are you? I'm pretty sure it's seven. 7 p.m. It'll be 5 okay. p.m. on the West Coast. It'll be, be 6 p.m. if you're in Denver. You're going to be cutting it close on deadline. I'll be good. No, the I've time got, change. I've got the extra time on the West Coast. No, it's oh, only wait, on the yeah. East Coast. I'll leave. Yeah, that's right. I will leave. Yeah, I'll leave the stadium earlier, but it'll just be a later game. Yeah. That'll be kind of nice. You leave the stadium a little bit earlier, but like you're still on your deadline, but you get home. You don't have to. You know, you're not going to be working until like 1 in the morning. It'll probably feel like one. I mean, you're you're flying out Friday. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, well, I'm glad you said that because yeah, that actually puts me in a crunch. Gonna put you in a little bit of a crunch. You know, I'm not great with time or numbers or years. I'm aware, but Tyler, I hope you have a good time in LA. Should be a good game. And for any OU fans traveling out to the Rose Bowl to Pasadena, um, safe travels. If you're listening to this podcast, probably a little, little good, little maybe a little flight thing to kill kill the time. I don't know. Maybe if you got a friend, tell them like, hey, listen to another OU football podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and SoundCloud. And you can download it from those places and listen to it in airplane mode while you're flying out to Pasadena. I don't know. If you want to tell a friend that, that's just me. Order Bloody Mary. Have, have yourself a day. Have yourself a weekend. You deserve it. So, Tyler, uh, we appreciate you uh, for for coming on, and we appreciate the listener for making us a part of your day. Me and Clay Horning will be back after OU-UCLA to break down all the action in our post-game pod, which, if you didn't know, always goes up the night of the game. We don't go to sleep until that podcast is posted, so it's in your feed if you want to stay up for it. I don't know if you do, but when you wake up Sunday, it'll be there for sure. So... Until next time, for Tyler Palmatier, my name is Joe Bettner, and we will catch you next week.